Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, my name is Monty Warden. This is the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm with John Baum, who's a wine importer based in London. John, you specialise in Italian wine. Why is that? Why is that the case? Uh, well, it's, it's, it goes back a few years about how I started to get interested in wine itself. Um, I started off because a friend of my father's was in the wine trade for many years. I was interested in perhaps doing some work in wine. He offered me a vintage which turned out to be Montalcino. A harvest. Yeah, harvest. For um, Giorgi Sesti at Castel Viaggiano. Uh, I spent a few weeks out there, had a great deal of fun. I got to taste some interesting wines, and really, it started there. How old were you? I was 20. Yeah, quite young. Then the next year, I went to Chianti Classico, where I, where I started to work with really my wine mentor, which is uh, Sean O'Callaghan. I also worked with the likes of Tom Schobrook, a few other producers from around Europe. This was kind of a place where I was able to go out and buy lots of rare, interesting bottles at this time in the early 2000s. They were quite cheap. We would go home, we would cook dinner, we would drink Barolos, we would drink stuff from the south, from the centre, and that's how we all learned about wines. So, I mean, the companies that you own at the moment, what exactly is your structure? I would say I'm quite chaotic with these things. We have the importing and distribution business, which deals, I'm very proud to say, with some fantastic restaurants, mainly in London. And then we have the bar in Farringdon, which uh, works the shop in the day, a good office space for us to do, do our deliveries, etc. from. And in the evening, the bar takes over. And recently we opened in Deptford as well, which is more of a restaurant idea, matching to some extent of wines with us. Okay, so these, these are all in London, right? They're all in London. So just going back to, um, I mean, what we like at school, did you ever think you could enter the wine trade when you were at school? You presumably went to school in the UK, right? I did. I actually, I think from the age of 19, I suppose, I always knew I was going to be in the wine trade. I still went to university, but I, I went knowing that when I left, I would be going into the wine trade. What did you study at university? Uh, religion and theology. Oh, I did history. I was the same as you. I knew I'd got, I'd worked in my first vineyard before going to university. Knew I'd never use my university degree and went off to Bordeaux as soon as I'd finished. So you ended up in Italy as soon as you finished, yeah? Right. yeah so how good was your Italian then? Awful, I didn't have any. How good is it now? Passable some days. Depends how much I use it and obviously how many glasses I've had. So how easy is it dealing, you know, being a, being a Brit abroad, so to speak, dealing with um, Italian producers and, and making them understand what you want as, a, as, a, as someone that's going to sell their wine and, and then how can they communicate with you what they want from you as a business? I'm very truthful with our producers. So I, I don't haggle with my producers. I go in there and if I taste a wine I see the price and the wine I think is worth the price I'm not going to push a producer down there's no point it's their life most of our producers make between 10 to 80 90,000 bottles a year in total production very small yeah they can't afford to be pushed on price they're trying to earn a living like, like we are here as well and how, how do I communicate with them well I have decent enough Italian to get by now and in the early days I had friends with me who were sort of stronger on the language than I was. So what are your personal favourites in terms of wine styles from, we're talking all of Italy or just mainly Tuscany? All over Italy. I mean, I'm much fonder of traditional methods of winemaking than I am about modernity. I've been very happy to see in the last decade that people realising this and changing back to the way things were. I'm not a big fan of using massive amounts of new oak, smaller barrels in situations like this. I, you know, I like to think that Italy is evolving in winemaking by going backwards rather than Okay, so what about I mean the whole organic biodynamic thing? Is that important to you, or is it important yeah, it's, to your customers? It's important to me. I I'm not really an importer who, who talks about it very much. I don't believe it's actually that. In, I believe it's very important, but I don't think it's important to use this off marketing chit chat pushing yourself, you know, arguing that your wines are quality because they're organic, that just annoys me. I think the wine should speak for itself always.
wines. Uh, and I think, although I am considered in London to be part of the natural wine situation, I am never happy using the term natural for wines. I don't think it explains anything, it doesn't mention anything, it doesn't say anything about the wines. So, you know, it's important for me personally because it's, it's healthy living. I mean, it's, you don't want to eat food that's been sprayed with chemicals going into your body. Why do you want to do it with wine? It just seems to me sense, common sense. Our soil is there right now. If we kill it off, it's not there for our kids or our grandkids. So what about sort of trends in Italian wine at the moment, say in the, the classic areas like Chianti, which for my money is one of the most underrated uh, blessings in the world agree. in terms of food friendliness. I mean, what are, you, what are you seeing happening in Chianti? What's exciting there now and why? I think because Chianti's in a funny position right now, because as you say, it's not necessarily as fashionable as it was. So less outsiders are coming in, putting money in, buying estates, which means in turn, there are many estates suddenly up for sale or warehouses up for sale, space for people to go and make wine who couldn't afford to do it previously. Land has dropped a lot in price. You know, you find land in crazy places like Moremia being more expensive than Chianti Classical, and you think, why? But um, what do I see? Hopefully we'll be seeing some producers who may have been struggling over a long time to be able to find a true expression of themselves because they've had to work for bigger corporations, big companies, recipe winemakers, suddenly actually being able to make something which they believe is an expression of their region, of their zone. So you think the kind of garage east, what was called the garage east uh, yeah. movement in France is now going to take off in Italy as well? Well, I hope so. I do hope so. I mean, I, I think if, if premises are affordable, food is affordable. The premises, you mean like a, a small building in which yeah, to make wine? Yeah, a building too. I mean, warehouses, warehouse costs actually not too bad in a lot of in a lot of areas in Kent. And fruit is, is other wine grapes. Yeah. So in terms of the terroir there, I mean, what gets you excited? I mean, like the talk about these stores like Galestro or Schist and things like. Why do they make Chianti so special when you can find those those places and wines from those places? In terms of the texture, the taste, the flavors. Do you mean what's planning if you plant a Sangiovese anywhere else? No, but you, when you go and taste wines, could, is, what, what do you love about? the Sangiovese from that, that particular area? Well, as I say, I'm a, for me, I'm a classicist. I like elegance in those wines. I don't want massive concentration. I enjoy altitude still. I mean, global warming's occurring, you know, but so we can go higher and higher up. And there still are vineyards which 20, 30 years ago people would not have used because they'd be too green. Because the ripe grapes wouldn't ripen. It was too cool, yeah? But now you've got 700 metres Sangiovese in Gaioli, which is beautiful. 600 metre stuff in Montalcino suddenly working. This is the exciting thing. Things moving forward and getting more elegance, getting more balance from the wines, not working on just pure concentration of fruit and oak and bringing out the expression of the terroir. So what about white wines, white Italian wines? Where are you looking there for your for your little for me, uh, niche? For whites, yeah, I always try and look for varietals which are perhaps a little less known. I've always done that with red wines, and the exception of being Tuscany. So for example, when I started out, I took over the business about nine years ago. It was important to stand out. So one of the ways of doing that was to move away from my sort of safety net of Tuscany and move around. Uh, so you ended up going up to various areas, trying to find interesting great varieties that nobody else had. What happened to Piemonte you're talking about? Well, Piemonte, so Obelucce, for example. Uh, so do you see what you're doing as almost like a crusade to save some of these uh, forgotten or ignored but magical great varieties like Obelucce? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a crusade. It's just that to keep it more selfish, actually. For me, wine is continuously an adventure. So you always have to find something new, strive to find something different and to try and learn from that as well as time goes on. Yeah, that's probably more of the interest for me than actually crusading and running out there and throwing these bottles into people's faces and forcing them to go on. The great thing about having two bars is that I can do that as well. But does that help you when, when you've obviously brought a wine in and you've got, you can actually see somebody drink it or taste it in front of you and they give you feedback? How Can that, can that be a confusing thing or a helpful thing? No, it's helpful. Always helpful. There's some people, your regular customers you, you acquire, your palates you learn to trust or understand in some way. It also is it's, it's useful for, for you as an importer because instead of spending six months on the road trying to sell the wine that somebody might, some people might like, some people won't, you've got an audience straight away and you get that feedback straight away and you know if you're on the right track and if you're doing the right thing. Um, so 
far it's been okay what about southern Italy do you venture south yeah I do but I, I'm not a massive fan of some of the famous regions uh, Puglia has I think great potential but I do think they sort of champion the wrong crowds what you mean in Primitivo yeah. or what? really yeah I think so, Negro Amaro is far more interesting as a great variety why because it's easier to drink no I think there's slightly more complexity in the great variety itself I think Primitivo it's people are focusing a lot on the fruit ripeness of it the richness of it making big heavy wines yeah yeah well Negro Amaro seems to have a rusticity to it a tannical to it like a lot of the great old noble varieties did um, and I had the same problem slightly with Eliana that's why I spend more time I'm more interested in actually in Calabria I think Calabria is probably the most interesting place in the south and Basilicata has got some very interesting stuff so when, you, when you go down to Calabria I mean, how obviously it's, it's quite a remote, special the motorway ends exactly. Yeah, right. It's a very specialised area, should we say? I mean, how when you go down there, you're a little bit sort of nervous, or are you happy, or excited, or? I, and I waited. I waited a good few years to go down there for nervousness, but then, to be honest, when I arrived, I was treated very, very well. Right. And there's a great food culture down there. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best I've seen in Italy. I mean, there's a bit of chili in there. It's a lot of fresh seafood, and they they look up to a lot of the other areas, and they in some way replicate it in their own way. And there's great indigenous grape varieties. I mean, predominantly you're going on the reds, but I mean. Galliopo is a difficult one, of course it is. But Maliocco, on the other side, has serious potential. And there's some great people making wines with it as well. John Brown from the Winemakers Club in London, a much travelled man, looking slightly grizzled as well with your. Yeah, well, champagne very, has that effect on you. Well, you, yeah, I don't want to mention champagne. You've got a pop star hairstyle, but um, it's great. It's great to see you, and also um, great to find out what you're up to with your with your wine bars. It's lovely. You can actually, as you say, see people consume what you're bringing in, drink the wine in front of you, and you get direct feedback. Well, one of the greatest things an importer can ever see is when they sit in a restaurant and they see another table they don't know drinking their wine. That really is one of the most uplifting things. Brilliant. John Brown from the Winemakers Club in London, thanks very much for coming in today on the Italian Wine Podcast. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.